This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Really special edition of the show this time around, Marty. The Olympics are in the rear view. And while there was so much talk going in about the absence of NHL players, current NHL players, you can't have a tournament like this within the global game of hockey without influence from people who did play in the NHL and who are still connected to the game. And if you dive deep, really deep into Sabres history, you'd be hard-pressed to find someone who has done more within the Sabres organization than our guest today, Craig Ramsey, a Sabres Hall of Famer as a player, second only to Perot in games played, but then go down the list, assistant coach, head coach, director of player personnel, assistant GM. Oh, and then he went on to influence about 10 other teams in league history as well. What an individual. He's a hockey lifer. And I, I, I'm saying it as about as positive as it can get, because not only is it the, his passion, uh, it shows in the way that he conducts himself. Everybody wants to be around him. Everybody wants to learn from Craig Ramsey. Everybody wants to talk to him. And the fact that he is still in the game now and influencing it somewhere else, like it's not in the NHL, but it is somewhere in the hockey world. And it is doing it for a positive uh, result and and what Craig and the Slovakian team and Miroslav Satan were able to do at the Olympics this year, uh, it kept me on the edge of my seat. I watched the games. I was really uh, interested in seeing what was going to happen in the Olympics in Beijing this year, both with the men's and the, the women's game. And uh, man, what an achievement for Slovakia. Yeah, when it got to that head-to-head matchup with the United States, it just felt like it was going to be a can't-lose situation as a fan of the game, knowing that, uh, you know, one of your rooting interests was going to be moving forward, and Craig Ramsey, definitely that. When you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo at the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily, and self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest line and multiple screens so you never miss a play. The Sportsbook at Seneca Resorts and Casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. And now, Craig Ramsey. Craig, it's so good to see you. And uh, from all of us here in Western New York, congratulations on that stunning bronze medal at the Olympics. Um, How is the feeling still days after that important and historic win? Well, it's uh, the excitement in the country is incredible. Um, it's been an amazing event. Uh, the boys fought so hard. And then we had the parade through town that was uh, absolutely incredible to, you know, see the excitement. People came from all over into Bratislava, to Old Town, and uh, really made it very special for all of us. It's difficult to go out the door now. I uh, uh, to come to the office. Uh, I can't. I have a lot of trouble just to go to the store. And, uh, anyway, it's been it's been quite spectacular. A lot of people were surprised to see you were coaching Slovakian team. So, how does that relationship with Miroslav Satan and the Slovakian Hockey Federation? How did it all started? Well, I coached Miro in Boston. Uh, with Zdeno Chara and 
they actually wanted me to go to the Olympics in Vancouver with them just to help the team out. But the uh, people in the team decided they didn't want to have any interference at that time. But um, I actually was a consultant with Montreal for a year. Then I took one year off and suddenly I, I thought this is pretty good living in Florida, playing some golf. But Merrill called me. And just he had taken over with the as general manager of the Slovak team, and would I come over and help? And that was before the last Olympics in Pyeongchang, and it was a tough decision. But when I told my wife a day later, because I didn't tell her that day, she said, "We're going. <laughs> You're going." I glad sort of, that was it, and off I went. And we tried. I told him. He knew how I coached and what I expected and how I wanted to play. And we had to change the, the attitude or attempt to the culture and the style. And it's taken a while, but, you know, we've had some success. And now to have this thing happen has been quite amazing. Craig, it's amazing that you're that this really did originate because of your time in Boston. I, I, I'm trying. I, I, we kind of need Miro on the other screen here to, to tell us, you know, <laughs> all these great things that he saw in you. But I, I just I'm amazed, like you've been in the game a long time. Miro had been in the game a long time at that point. Like, what do you think it was? And did he ever really truly express to you like you do this, this and this so well? I think you would be perfect for us. What, what it really comes down to uh, is the style of play. Um, and my willingness to play anybody who shows me they can play. Uh, they had stuck with the same team for many years, the same players. And the style of play in Slovakian hockey was trap, back up, play safe, play careful. And my saying is safe as death. Um, we're going to try to win. And I think that's what he wanted to change is much as anything else, he wanted the Slovak boys to grow the game. And we weren't growing hockey players in Slovakia anymore. We were so short. We had, they had such a group, they call them the golden boys. And of course, Miro was one of the special golden boys and they won a lot of things. They were contenders, they could play and they had talent when you look Gabrick and I mean there's so many of them uh, Hosa, uh, Shetan, Chara there's so many others too and uh, Palfi it, it was um, about getting back to playing hockey fast and playing it to win and expecting more, demanding more and changing the culture how did you communicate with the players? Uh, have you learned any Slovakian at all? Or is it all in English? Uh, is there somebody there that, uh, is there any players that don't speak a lot of English? Like how did it work out? Well, I made an assumption because in the NHL, the kids come in and they generally can all speak English. Um, but the first practice I went out, I had um, uh, Jan Lashik and Michael Hanzus, uh, Lubo Vizhnovsky, and they all spoke English. And I ran, started the first drill and was talking away. And then I suddenly was looking in their eyes and they had no idea, many, most of them, <laughs> what I was saying. 
So I have to have them with me. Robert Petrovitsky was a, with me for years. Uh, Yanni Lashik is a goalie coach. He's been with me right from day one. And uh, I, Jan Pardovi and Andre Podkinitsky were my guys this for a few years now, and they speak English. So um, the meetings had to be translated. Everything I said took more than twice as long uh, to do. So a meeting, I think, is going to be 10 minutes, was 25. And I do a lot with video. Uh, and now we're doing much better that more of the people can understand. But you can imagine in the middle of a game, with the crowd when you have when we had crowds uh and the excitement i talk a little bit faster and then even the guys that understand have trouble so i have to have those boys with me all the time but much better i generally can have a meeting where i just speak and when i speak uh, that's it but i let them run the meetings now it's been five years so they run the the meetings, we prepare it, we talk about it, and then they do it. I introduce maybe or talk after, but a lot of it is done by my assistants who are great, capable boys. And, um, I, you know, part of the job has been hopefully to train someone to take my job because I believe we need a Slovak coach to take over. And, uh, you know, I've had some good people with me. And that makes the world of difference. Well, you may be Slovak because Miro said he wants you to get a citizenship. So you may not be like a North American guy coming over. You may be Slovak soon. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll tell you what, it's all it was. With, um, there was, you know, the Yankee go home thing. They made a big uh, something that went on the Internet was Yankee don't go home. And <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's just great. It's hung out with the president of the country. Um, I've had so much fun here, but it's a lot of work. And, you know, I'm just, hey, I'm 70, almost 71 years old, you know. It's getting to be a little harder. Boy, I mean, we're still going to dive into all the details of the tournament, but you're sounding like it might have been your swan song here, Craig. Well, I promised them I'd come back for the world championships. So um, I've got another adventure ahead of me in March. Uh, I'm sorry, boys. I'm getting a little drink here. Oh, yeah, <laughs> all good. We I, Marty usually has to do that because he does the bulk of the talking on uh, on this podcast regularly. So I don't know how he stays so hydrated. Marty, what's your trick? Uh, well, you know what? It's uh, I hide it under the table, and sometimes I just like kind of mute my mic and I go off to the side, and I have a long straw. But uh, <laughs> no, so okay, let's let's talk about the tournament because it did not start well for you guys. Like you guys ended up playing Finland in the first game. <clears throat> you lost six to two, then Sweden four one. Um, this was not a really good start for your team, or did you see it as a good start and losing those two games allowed you to be able to push the, the guys a little bit more? Well, it, it's quite interesting because in both those games, we had 40 shots. We outshot both teams, uh, but 
we made those mistakes that I've been trying to get out of our game for a long time, neutral zone mistakes that turn into goals against. Um, we played a different goalie in each of those games. And then Patrick Rebar went in in game two. Uh, and then he played the rest of it and it was absolutely mm -hmm. brilliant. But we had some internal problems because, uh, you know, you try to put a team together. We actually had one practice together. And you're trying to fit in power plays and penalty killing. And there's some discussion in the dressing room among players about where they should be instead of me telling them where they should be. So after those two games, we had to have a fairly significant discussion of who, who is coaching and uh, who is calling players. So once we did that, and it worked out. They took charge, our, some, our captain, uh, he stepped up to the plate. So Arivik, Solaric, um, Chereshnak, those, those guys really stepped up, I think, and said in the dressing room, that's enough. Uh, we do what we're told. And once we started down that path, uh, it, everything changed. And uh, I have to say that they bonded together as a team. I talk always about team and commitment to the team. And we were doing individual things in those first two games that you can't do at that level. Maybe you get away with it in the league's but you can't do it at that level. And they understood after that, that, look, we played good. We played well, but you can't make those errors. You can't be selfish and be thinking about getting your points and showing yourself. It's about the team. And uh, that's been five years now, but they really bought in. The third period against was could be the best period of hockey I've ever coached. They, everyone was absolutely and totally committed to the game. We played hard. We played physical because Sweden is very physical. They're very tough. And we battled, you know, we, we wouldn't let them go. We, we just wouldn't let them play. And that was how we, we really came, looked like a team. Marty, you want to keep going game by game? Oh, yeah, well, started laying I out? I don't know that I want to go game by game, but big moments of the tournament, obviously. So um, playing the U.S. in the uh, in, in what was the quarterfinals and you guys scored with less than a minute to tie it at two. And in the shootout, I remember watching the shootout and I kept thinking, like, this is such an immense pressure situation for your goalie because he always was starting and he had to make the save so that you guys got a chance to take the lead and your team never took the lead until the fourth round of the shootout. So how, like, how are you buying the bench when, you know, first you're down to one and then in the shootout, are you nervous? Are you excited? Do you remember what it was like when you were playing and in overtime? How's that feeling against the U S knowing that uh, you guys had a huge comeback? Well, you have to think about how hard the first eight minutes of that game. I always tell our team, we're, we're as good as anybody. We can beat anybody in the world and we play fast. We play hard while well, the U S for eight minutes was so fast. 
<laughs> I, even I was flabbergasted. I was on the bench going, oh, wow, these guys are good and they're fast. And our guys fought and battled. The goalie made some saves. And all of a sudden, we had a couple of shifts. And I'm telling them on the bench, ozone time, get it. And my, what I tell them before every game is get it. Get the puck, keep the puck, shoot the puck. And we finally got it and kept it. And we slowed them down because we made them play in their end. And in the third period, I said, you know, in their end, they're no better than us. So let's go there. And uh, Jan Pardovi had a thing drawn up for the goalie out for every game. As it's getting later, I just went down. I said, uh, so you're all set for this? And he said, no problem. I, yep, everybody knows. All set. And then we got the break to whistle. And I'm telling them late in every, the, you know, the shoot it at the goalie's glove. Make them catch it. We need a face-off. And they did whatever. We got a face-off. But um, he set it up. And everything worked out. And if you watch the replay, it's really quite amazing. Uh, uh, horrific in front of the net. He beat the heck out of the U.S. defenseman. <laughs> the guy tried to push him. I always tell my D, stay free, stay away. Leave them alone because it's a problem. Well, uh, horrific just cross-checked them and slashed them and pushed them. And then when the shot came through from the point and hit the goalie, he was by himself imagine then by yourself at that point in time to push it in the net so well, you mentioned we, we oh, had a plan we executed the plan and the kids did it and then you, you gotta calm everybody down get control and to marty's point earlier was what happened when we won that they shoot the bench of course and everybody's jumping around except me and I'm just standing there. But the reality was, I was just like, oh, my God, we did it. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. And I, <laughs> I just stood there. And then, uh, you know, the, everything was excitement after that. But, yeah, I, I believe that a coach has to be in control. And if you watch me on the bench, I'm generally quite calm about what's going on even though inside i'm not so calm yeah that's about as perfectly put i think i think anybody that was ever trying to assess you and your career and your demeanor and your understanding of the game would probably sum it up exactly that way you mentioned the goaltender i think my favorite part of the entire tournament was rebar in that shootout I just, I loved everything about how he looked and you can, you can never guarantee what's going to happen, but my goodness, he looked calm in the moment. Well, from a day, from the moment we put him in, in relief in game two, when the game was over, even though we lost four to one, I said, you know, he looked in control. He gave, he gave us the impression that it was okay. Uh, he was in control. And for the rest of those games, you think he gave up one goal in three games, I think. And that we ended up losing that game. But the kid was absolutely calm, cool, and collected. And then when, he, when we won it, then he showed his emotion. But 
that's what you need. And you're right. I, I understood. I played every last minute when we were ahead. I did all those things with Donnie Luce and Danny Gare and all, you know, all the guys, Rick's back in the day. But it's about staying in control of your emotions because under that gun, under that kind of pressure, you, you must be able to control yourself or you don't win. How does that work for a team? Because we never have been trained in hockey to say, like you guys were about to play Finland in the semi and thinking if we win this game, we're guaranteed a medal, right? Like in hockey, it's like winning bronze for Slovakia is amazing. It's an Olympic medal. It's an amazing moment. I remember when Miro Chatan won bronze in the world championship in 2003. I was with Team Canada. We were getting ready to play Sweden in the, in the finals. And then Slovakia walks in at the hotel and they're celebrating because they won bronze. But in hockey, in the NHL anyway, like if you're yeah. third it, or if you're losing the semi, it's like it's over, right? But you yeah. guys get ready to play Finland in the semi. You lose one nothing but you still have another game to say, hey, we have another game to be able to win a medal. Like, how different is that approach from when you were playing, knowing that if you lost in the conference finals, you were done? Well, you know, because I've now been over here and they told me, wait, you know, the world championship is such a big thing over here in Europe. And now I'm in it. And it, it was incredible. The first time I did it, absolutely incredible. The excitement in the building, the pressure that you felt because now you're representing the country. But the whole concept is different, Marty, because you have a chance to play for more than one prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and you spend your life in hockey knowing you've got to win. And I only won one Stanley Cup with Tampa, but you, you've got to win every game and now even though we lost we still had a chance and the kids uh now you got to pump them up because you know I, we ended up playing at 9 15 at night too in the yeah. championship game who plays at 9 15 at night i mean this is well it's for yeah. us so we can get up in the morning and watch it so <laughs> that's the, and we didn't have to wake up at three in the morning but i i got up and i watched it because it was at 8 15 in the morning here yeah, so it was to make everybody in TV happy. Yes. Um, you know, I got all of my kids and family, well, the, my kids and grandkids and everybody are in the U.S. So, you know, they're cheering for us and we beat the U.S. And then they're getting up at all kinds of crazy hours because my niece uh, is all the way over in Vegas. And yeah. Uh, it's 13, 16 hours for her. They're all talking. One day when I finished the game, there was 200 messages from the family. They were f- trying to find where they could watch the game. And it was just incredible. Because I, I looked 207 messages. And now I, I've got to at least paw through them before I can ignore it. But it was just crazy and this whole thing the whole concept of uh playing for something else is unique but you think about uh our little country uh winning that bronze was uh very very special but as i've told them right away and i've told every it's just the stepping stone it's 
the it's part of the building block for the next thing that's got to happen. We have to grow from this and not look backwards, but always look forward. But even before you won the bronze, as Miro shared on social media, you had already captured the attention of the youth of the country. And we saw those videos, right, of them. Yeah, so that in itself, the, I, I'm looking at you and seeing that smile, like the, the pride oh. that you must have felt just from that moment before you even got the medal, pretty amazing. I tell you what, I almost had tears watching that one video of the kids jumping around and yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm beyond proud of the boys and what they did, but what it's meant to the country. I've been here now a long time and I'm, I talk about our country and uh, I feel part of it and I'm blessed to be part of it. But the building blocks, maybe they're going to listen now. They're going to want to be um, Slavkovsky. They look and have seen that we have young teams all the time. We give young players a chance. We have old guys, we have young guys, but we give boys a chance. We give everybody a chance who shows us that they have the courage to play and the commitment to play. And everybody has a chance. So we're, we're hoping that it really is the building block for the future and for the kids. So everybody, wants to be part of that team and put the sweater on and you don't have to fight to get players uh, but you have to fight they have to fight to get on the team how was your olympic experience because obviously you're playing seven games in you know 10 days it's like crazy but did you have time to be able to maybe watch the women's games and and some of their uh, their their action or some other events or were you hockey all the time and you could not get away from it? Uh, I, I didn't see one other thing. I've had two experiences. The first one, Pyeongchang, um, I, it, I was new to the country really still. And uh, I, I try, was trying to do everything. I didn't have a great time. And this time we were locked up in a fence. Uh, <laughs> with guards and our troopers and army around and there you couldn't leave the village so uh, one day I had 16,000 steps on my thing but um, it was all in circles around the, the village <laughs> there was nowhere to go and nothing to do and no I, I didn't go because the guys went to a couple of things and I couldn't face another bus ride uh, another lineup um yeah. and i just stayed at home in the our we had a four bedroom flat with a table and a couple of uh card chairs um no tv no nothing so thank heavens for some uh internet that we could use but <laughs> other than, it, it's really it's not an easy thing to do it's an incredible commitment because before that we're locked up at home basically before we even leave and you're tested every day uh, it's hard i mean it's incredibly hard those players the what they go through 
to do that. Uh, they'll never forget it, of course, but uh, they, uh, they, won't, they won't really understand, I think, until you get to be a bit of an old guy and then say, holy cow, that was hard. Uh, that was quite amazing. But it, it was quite difficult. And it's not like you're someplace great and you can tour and see and uh, you're just stuck in a village and that's it. So how many thousands of people came out to welcome you home? Oh, God, I don't know, because, you know, when we um, we have to fly to Vienna and then we bus in and we had lunch and we came out, there was a good crowd just to get on the bus. And then we started this outdoor bus ride. But when we stopped and went out to the stage, it was mind boggling to look around and see all the people that were there. And on there were lots on the streets, but in uh, old town when we did it there was jammed and then i had you know get off the stage and then they, we, they had these special hats made bronze metal caps because it was cold and they ripped it right off my head and i i couldn't get it they, they were dragging <laughs> me out with uh, i had a girl pulling me one of our my colleagues and the security was finally grabbed me and they were dragging me through the crowd i mean it was yeah it was a bit scary at at the end, and not, you know, I just wanted to get on the bus and have a people. Um, yeah, it, I, I don't know. It was we did a, a parade in Tampa, but you're you know you're in a car and you're driving around. It's ninety degrees. <laughs> it was cold, <laughs> and I was cold. They gave us scarves to throw. I wrapped it around my own neck because I didn't have a good enough coat. <laughs> uh, have your boys and and everybody on the team the staff have they really been uh enjoying themselves though like this is like they still have to prepare right they go back and now there's the rest of the season there's uh the world championship as you pointed out but uh so how long how long do they have to to enjoy this three days a week or are they right back at it soon some guys had to leave the next day after the parade, they had to basically leave the next day to go back to their teams. Uh, one team wanted them to come the day we arrived home because they played the next day and they wanted them there. And the guy said, I can't make that game, but I'll make the next one. Um, <laughs> my coach has a, one of the coaches has to have a game tomorrow. But some guys were playing uh, two days later, four days later, maybe. Uh, but no, they all spent a night in the hotel or most of them spent one night in the hotel. Some uh, had a couple, but no, there's no time. These boys have to go right back to work. In fact, basically, they came. We literally had our first practice as a team in China. Uh, some of them couldn't get away because they were playing. So they finish a game, get on a plane fly to Bratislava, get tested, and we were already gone. Then they fly to China uh, separately and meet us there. It, it's just, you know, you think, okay, it's over. Now you can enjoy it, have fun. This is great. No, they go back to work, all of them. Uh, let's go play somewhere. And they're all over Europe, uh, Russia, Finland, Sweden, Czech, Slovak, they're everywhere, the boys. <laughs> it's incredible. I'm the only guy that really gets to relax. 
Well, that's well-deserved, though, too. Um, <laughs> you mentioned uh, your 17-year-old sensation, Slavkovsky, uh, um, and I, I did read a quote where you had, you know, kind of saw some similarities there with, with a, you know, a recently passed NHL legend in Clark Gillies. Um, what else could you tell us about your eye and, and what you may project for him? His upside is just so high. There's no end to it. Um, he's six. Uh, I'm just guessing a bit as I, I should know these things. Six foot four, 220 pounds, maybe. And he can skate and he's good hands and he's agile. So we think, of, and he was 17 and he just uh, got, turned 18. Nemitz turned 18 at the tournament. And we talked him about, I think, of taking his mask off. But, um, but you're right. Uh, we took them to the world championships. And everybody said, you can't do that. We took three uh, teenage boys. And we played them. But we took them each out, I think, and put them back in. And they acted great. They were positive And they stayed uh, focused. But. He played wonderful hockey and everything I've had with him. Uh, we had him in the qualifier, and but he didn't score. And I said, he before the tournament, I said, uh, he just needs a goal. He needs something to go in, like off a foot. I don't care. Off his head if it has to be, but he needs to score. Well, he scores from the goal crease in the first game and then gets another one and then another one. And uh, then we saw him believing that he could score I, for two years whatever I've been calling him the shooter and <laughs> he didn't but he never scored but I said you're the shooter so I guess in one interview he said something about me telling him he's the shooter and he would score and once he did you saw him really grow into what he can be and which is I don't know what, what the end might be because you don't know once they hit the NHL. It's, we know that. Um, Marty, we've, been, we've seen players coming in, going out, whatever. But, uh, and he's a one, got great attitude. He smiles. He's happy. He wants to be that guy. He wants to be in the big situations. We were looking, killing a penalty in the last game, and I look, I'm looking down the bench because one of our key penalty killers was in the box and he's staring at me. And I put him out and he created a two-on-one uh, for us. And, I mean, this kid has a chance, a big chance. Well, he's ranked top 10 for this uh, draft, the 2022 NHL entry draft. Uh, he plays out in uh, Turku in uh, the Finnish Elite League. And uh, so my thinking is, okay, so he's 17 and had a great Olympics. He still has a lot to learn. Um, are you, are you going to stay in contact? Are, are NHL teams calling you? Or is that somebody that you say, you know what, I'm going to help that kid make it to the NHL? Uh, or is it hard because unfortunately you don't coach them in Finland and you don't, you, you, no. you don't, uh, you know, you're not with them every day. No, I, it, it's, you can't, and I don't ever want to bother them when they're on another team, because what happens in all honesty is that they go to another team and they want them to do different things than I do. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the problems when we bring them in and have no time to put them together again is that they, 
in many ways I have to reteach and help them re-understand what it is we do as a group. So no, there's not a lot that I can do. And it's been quite amazing to me because we've had, we have some pretty good players here and then it's nobody calls me, which is good because uh, nobody bothers me, but it's quite amazing to me that the NHL teams uh, haven't spent more time at least trying to talk to me. I was at one game where Nemitz was playing and there were 20 NHL scouts at the game, but only one talked to me. And I was fairly available at that particular game, but um, it's been surprising because Nemitz is in the draft and he's in the only two games of the world junior in the second game against Sweden, he was the best player on the ice, even better than Slavi in that game. He was brilliant. Uh, he's smart. He, he is another guy with a real chance. And um, Kanashko has already been signed with um, Columbus, I believe, but uh, there's been a, I guess because the Slovaks haven't produced any in a while, but these, some of these kids can play. Uh, we got some great young boys coming along. It, it was amazing when we started this conversation and you rattled off so many names that are so familiar to NHL fans, especially from, you know, the kind of the 2000s to the 2010 year. Yeah. And and that it really does seem like that was kind of the golden era for what you hope now is is maybe having a rebirth or, or what have you. Um, do you without necessarily saying and, and and you said you hope and need a Slovak coach in place moving do you have do you know who's going to be the next coach do you do you have a wish list for who you want to take over based on all your experiences in the last five years well uh, Robert Petrovitsky was with me for a couple of years did the under 20 team Andre Podkinitsky is and uh, Jan Pardovi have been with me now like for years and uh, I believe that any one of them have the ability to do it um, they've seen the growth they've seen the style um, uh, if you really watched uh, the under 20 and I know there was only two games but our team looked di so different than in the past we were fast we were aggressive uh, we outplayed Sweden dramatically even losing but um you know I, the problem is i don't i only get them for days at a time too because they're all doing some coaching somewhere else it's not like i have a team every day or the coaches are with me every day these guys are working their own team all over and uh, they've been with me now for a long time so i think any of them could be the guy to step up and take over um you know we obviously have to have another on discussion when i come back for the world championships miro wanted to talk about it uh on the way back <laughs> i just said uh yeah let's wait a little bit uh, give me a to catch my breath uh, because um, i I don't know what I can do. 
you played many, many years and you were fantastic. Uh, you coached many, many years. You had my brother in Tampa in the early 2000, right? So big yeah. Matthew, uh, he loved you. He said you were fantastic. I just talked to him about you yesterday. Uh, he says, hi, by the way. But so, I mean, you've gone through many different eras of the game. Where, and I always like to ask people that I, I think are great hockey people, hockey minds, and you're one of them. Where do you think the game is going? Like, you know, you've you've seen where it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000. Now we see all these, you know, trick plays and the, you know, the the, the Michigan, the, the, the lacrosse style. Uh, you know, yeah. the sticks are better. The skates are better. The equipment's better. The goalies are better. The, the Olympics, you guys went to the small ice instead of the international ice like it used to be. Where is the game going? Is it is it, you know, is it going to change a lot? I, I guess is what I'm asking. It continues always. And I uh, that's the biggest thing that I have tr tried to do over. When did I come to Buffalo? 1970 or 71, whatever mm -hmm. it was. It's been a while. Um, but the game changes. It was uh, skate up and down your boards, uh, hook, hold, clutch, grab, fight, get hit in the head, uh, knock, knock somebody out. And I, you know, I was a small guy and going through that in the 70s and all the crazy stuff that was going on. And then now, right now in the NHL, I love the way the teams play. Most of them are just playing this game of where it's fast and it's their speed and they have good sticks. So um, the championship game with Finland and Russia was not great fun to yeah. watch. Uh, our games are much more fun to watch. When, like I really think with our team, uh, the way we play is the way the hockey is going. I believe it is gonna continue to go that way. I hope that we don't go backwards in hockey to the interference and the trapping and all of that thing. And I coached the trap. I, I did. I, I was part of it. But I don't like it. I never did like it. But you had to do it. And I'm hoping that we continue to get this game going forward with speed and plays and shots, all of the things that are going on now that I really like to see versus those years of the past. And you have to be ready to change. You have to adapt because the coaching is better. The video, I mean, all the things that you can look at and prepare for, etc. And then you've got to find out ways to beat yourself. How are we going to stop what we're doing? Because somebody's figuring it out and the game will grow. The game will change. And I think I just hope that it stays with the speed. It's amazing to watch. Your team's performance was amazing to watch. Marty, do you have any uh, last quick questions for Craig? We, I feel like we've I, exhausted I... his time and I'm already looking forward to our next one because it'll be on location in Tampa and it'll be a lot warmer for all of us. That's yeah, my, no, I guess my only my question, my only question is, so when you return, you talked about champagne or whatever. Um, 
is Slovak beer as good as what they say? Because I only were in Bratislava once in my life and we had a game. We came in, played the game and got out. I never had Slovak beer. So is it as good as they say? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Velke pivo prosim. You asked me if I know some Slovak. Yeah. Velke pivo prosim. Large beer, please. Um, <laughs> the, I, I fell in love with it. Uh, Pilsner beers, uh, I think, are the best in the world. And it, I really do enjoy going out. I have some places uh, I'd walked to Old Town. The first time I did it, I went out to um, a place in Old Town. I sat there and I, Jeff Ward had told me people, so I asked for a people. And the guy said, big or small? I said, big. So he, I drank it. I said, okay, I'll pay two euros. I said, two euros, you're kidding me. I'll have another one. Um, <laughs> but no, it's great. Uh, it's a great place to be. But I think it's right now, I go, Sunday, I go back to Tampa and I have a golf game Monday. <laughs> the weather's going to be a little warmer. Well, just continue to enjoy this ride. And when you are heading back to Tampa, take a moment and just realize how you've left Slovakia this time in a much better place. What a great feeling that must be. Thank you so much. Um, I, as I said, I couldn't be prouder of the, the boys and what they accomplished and uh, the thrill for the country. I, um, I've recognized it and I try to enjoy it. Uh, and I got great people around me and I'm a lucky boy. Stasny Halapitz. Oh, what's that? Lucky boy. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> thank you, Craig, so much. This has been a treat for us. Uh, thank you, guys. I really enjoyed it. I've got dinner shortly. I better get going. <laughs> Marty, that is literally a conversation that could have gone on for many more hours, if not days and weeks. I better import some Slovakian beer for, because the next time I'm going to be talking to Rammer, hopefully it's here in Buffalo, I can uh, give him or uh, buy him a couple of uh, brewskis and uh, enjoy his, his knowledge of the game, uh, just the person that he is. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I'd have a good time having a couple beers with Rammer here in Buffalo for sure. When you think back to, you know, Canada Cups and Olympic tournaments of the 70s, you, you think of Canada, Russia, and you think of Czechoslovakia and how good yep. they were. And But the significance of this Olympic medal for Slovakia is it's their first as independent Slovakia mm -hmm. on the Olympic stage, which is amazing. You go into NHL history and players who were, you know, born and or trained in Czechoslovakia, and obviously the Stan Makitas and, and the Stasnys of the world, you know, are, are at the top of the list. But let's try to focus for our three stars on guys that, that definitely have more of a Slovak connection. And, and that probably resonates through the NHL fan base. I think they're more aware of where guys are from. And, and while it's been up and down, there have been many fun and memorable Slovaks in the NHL the last couple decades. 
Okay, I'll go with my three stars of guys that I played with, right? So I'm going to say, well, there's only two. So it's going to be a two-star and then an honorable mention. So uh, second star is Marion Gabrick. I played with Gabby in New York with the Rangers. Um, he was, I remember him with the Minnesota Wild. He was such an explosive player, a, a fantastic skater, a great guy to hang around with. They're all, uh, I mean, the Slovaks are all fantastic. Um, I number one, I've never played with too many bad hockey, uh, person anyway, but, uh, Gabby was great, uh, practiced, uh, hard, liked to score. So I loved it as a goalie because he always challenged me. Uh, but more importantly, he brought in so much speed in an era where the Minnesota wild were playing a trap with Jacques Lemaire and their only offensive weapon was Gabby. And he was just that good of a player. So second star is Marion Gabrick first star. I got to give it to Miro Chatan. And I know that. There was playing with Miro. It was interesting because there would be games where you'd be like, where did 81 play at all today? Like, where was he supposed to be our leader? Right. And there was, but he was, he was about as genuine and as nice of a person as you can get. His wife, Ingrid was awesome too. They, uh, they really made me feel comfortable. And, and a lot of the, uh, uh, the young, the young players that were here, uh, whenever it came to uh, just chit chatting or saying hi after a game and making you feel like you were part of the team. So Miro was, uh, was fantastic. And because he won bronze medal as the GM of the team, I got to give him first star and honorable mention going to be the Zdeno Chera, mm-hmm. just because I didn't play with Zdeno Chera, but it felt like I knew him because every time I saw him after the morning skate or at practice, even playing against him, he was always like, Hey Marty, what's going on? And then you talk to him like he was your teammate and what he's done for the game. He just tied Chris Chelios and will be passing Chris Chelios for most games played by an NHL defenseman. And if you remember in 2006, the Olympic games were in Torino Mm -hmm. and Chera went early to try to qualify Slovakia into the tournament. He actually was committed and that much committed to the Slovakian team that he left early his NHL team to go and help Slovakia qualify and then played the tournament. So I'm going to give Zdeno Chera my honorable third star mention. Yeah, well said. There's pride and then there's Slovakian pride. And I think we have seen that any time that they've had, you know, what others perceive as a surprising amount of success on the world stage for a small country. And so you've already mentioned some of the greatest Slovaks of all time. Obviously, Marian Hosa, Peter Bondra slide right into that group as well. Um, I'm going to go with ones that just really, you know, kind of captivated my attention span for the duration of their NHL careers. And number three was Ziggy Palfi. I mean, it was the flow. It was the, the style with which he played. And I think I'm really happy to, to say Marty that, I mean, you know me, I love to gravitate towards numbers and I'm fascinated and, and appreciate really, really, really good players. You know, from 95, 96 for that next decade, Ziggy Palfi was top 10 in the NHL in goals, in points, in points per game. So it wasn't just this flashy player that sometimes caught your attention. You know, there was a remarkable consistency. He kind of unexpectedly left after only one year with the Penguins. And then he just went back home and he literally tore it up in (laughs) Slovakia for another handful of years. Like this guy had so much talent was so much fun to watch. Now, one I'm really proud of my number two star. I thought like, I I don't know what it was. I went through a cycle there where I watched an awful lot of LA Kings games in the early two thousands or mid two thousands, I guess I should say. And that was when Lubomir Wisnowski really came onto the scene. And how about this? 
a little bit undersized defenseman, really solid though. And from 05, 06, for the next six seasons, you're not going to believe this. Visnovsky was second in points among defensemen to whom? Nick Lidstrom. Yeah, That's I was going to say. That was the only guy in a six-year window. And there was only one defenseman who scored more by one, Dion Phaneuf. Like, it, it's crazy. Again, it's yeah. just, it's, it's rewarding to think that, like, I loved watching this guy play quarterback, great movement of the puck, shifty, you know, was never afraid to, to just get in the way to make the play, even though he was a little undersized. And uh, yeah, like the numbers really back it up. And I, and I will say this about number one, I have learned, and I think the hockey world probably has too, learned more and have learned to respect more who Pavel Dimitra was as a person and, and ultimately as a player as well, we lost Pavel in the locomotive Yaroslavl plane crash in September Mm -hmm. of 2011. And, you know, like, yes, he was close to a point a game in his career. I I was always interested because it never worked in Ottawa at the start, but then he went to St. Louis and it just, it took off. But then there was just something about Dimitra and, and sadly, the way life tends to operate, Marty, is sometimes we, we do learn more and we say nicer things about people after they're gone, but not because we have to, but because they earned it. And you know Kelly Chase the, the way I do, and uh, just one of the many Blues alumni that were forever impacted by the presence of Pavel Dimitra. So Marion Gabrick and Pavel Dimitro were really, really, really close best friends from a long time back. Uh, and I was playing with Gabby when uh, that unfortunate plane crash happened. And, uh, you know, not only did we lose Pavel Dimitro, but so many others uh, on that team. So I know how hard it was for Gabrick and uh, he wore the number uh, Pavel Dimitro on his helmet for the whole season as a remembrance of, of him. So it was really, really shocking. Um, and you mentioned, and I, I want to end it on a better note because that, mm-hmm. that feels really, really heavy. And, 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 and it was just a yeah. tragic event in, in the hockey world, yeah. but Ziggy Palfi, your third star yeah. um, was traded from the New York Islanders to the LA Kings. And as part of the trade was one Mathieu Biron, my brother, who, re- who returned, like he was a first-round pick of the LA Kings, was there for one training camp. And then that year he got traded the Islanders uh, and the Palfi trade. So, um, yeah, there's always six degrees of separation with us, oh, yeah. the Biron in the NHL. And we love that because it allows us to reach out to some amazing names on our Instigators Overtime podcast. Thanks for lining this one up, Marty. Craig Ramsey was an absolute treat. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Instigators Overtime, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos.